This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello and welcome to the 3D Pod. I'm your host, Maxwell Bogue with Joris Peels. And joining us today is David Shear, who is co-founder and CEO of 3DPBM. And we'll be talking a lot about ceramics today and their different applications within the 3D printing space. Joris, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And David? Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Very, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, uh, by the way, I'm in, uh, as you know, I, I live in Milan, so I'm actually in the afternoon now <laughs> at the end of the day. But other than that, <laughs> I'm just fine. Uh, so let's uh, do a bit of intro and background on David. Uh, you're a journalist and entrepreneur, and you have a great passion for the 3D print industry. Can you tell us a little about how you got started in 3D printing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, I'll be short, I'll be quick, but um, I, uh, so I'm, I've always been a technology industry journalist. So actually for 10 years, I did a magazine on the video game industry <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the early 2000s. And then I started covering uh, all technologies, um, you know, from an industrial point of view. And, um, and then things kind of changed and I found myself being um, a freelancer. <laughs> the company I was working for was, was having some, some difficulties. So, and that was at a time when I had just discovered 3D printing. It was about 2011, 2012. And um, and so you know, I, I felt it was it was a lot like the internet, you know, when when it, when it started. I I really felt it was going to be something big. So so I I I thought I'm going to follow this. I'm you know this time I'm really going to stick with this. I'm going to follow this this uh, you know transition. What's happening with this? And it was it was really just the right time. So I started blogging. Uh, <laughs> I started, uh, and eventually you know I I, I worked for several um, media and. One one great thing, and I'll I'll will stop after this. But one one great thing that happened was that I used to work in an office, and then when when this happened, I started freelancing, and I, I realized I could I could uh, well one thing I realized was that I would have to work all the time to make ends meet. But the <laughs> other thing I realized was that I could work from everywhere. So I started traveling a lot, and that's when you know 3D printing was really starting to to become really, you know, uh, everybody was starting to become more aware of it. So I started traveling and visiting, you know, in every, in so many different nations, you know, things were happening, we're just starting up. And so I met a lot of, or some companies were actually already quite established. So I, I had the opportunity to meet with them and learn so much about it. And it just continued from there, really. In, in the beginning, it was just about writing. Now it's more about, you know, doing market research, market analysis, and, and, and running my, my own company, um, you know, doing reporting on the industry. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I think today we're mainly going to be focused on ceramics, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, because just to finish, so I, I now I run my own company, but I also work for um, as an analyst for a company called Smart Tech Analysis. It's a U.S.-based uh, market research company, and for them, I really do a lot of um, mar- you know reports on on several different market segments, including you know market verticals or material-specific uh, segments or or other uh, other segments as well. But so basically, what I do is on one on one side, I I research what's been happening in the industry, 
what the underlying trends are. And on the other side, I report on everything that's happening every day. So that's how I track everything that's happening. And uh, one of the reports uh, I've been doing for a few years now is, uh, is on ceramics, which I find to be the most fascinating of, of material segments. So let's, what, what are ceramics in the 3D print space? To, let's define them a bit. Okay, so uh, absolutely. Well, one thing is I want to make clear is that I am not, um, you know, I do all, all these reports. So I jump from like bioprinting to, to metal, to aerospace, <laughs> to, to, to automotive, to ceramics, to aluminum. And so I am not an engineer. I don't have a technical background. I am an industry journalist. So I, I look at a trade, a trade uh, journalist, so I re uh, and uh, an industry analyst. So I, I really look at the business. Uh, you know, my, what I know about is the technologies. I know about the companies. I know who's doing what, and I try to figure out. You know, I, I do a lot of research on on a specific material segment in this case, and I try to figure out what the applications are. Speaking with the people who are doing them, and uh, and then I try to figure out what the market is. What you know, what what the business could be around this particular segment. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I cannot give you very in-depth technical uh, information on ceramics, but I can give you, you know, more of mar market focused uh, information. But the bottom line is that ceramics, I can give you an exact definition of ceramics, but you know, it's a, well, I, I think a vague one would be perfectly fine. Yeah, inorganic, non-metallic solid made up of either metal or non-metal compounds that have been shaped and then hardened by heating to high temperatures, etc. But the point is ceramics are, are not metals and they're not polymers, right? So they're used when, and especially, okay, first we need to differentiate. There are two types of ceramics and there are two types of ceramics in 3D printing too. I mean, um, there are two very different families of processes. One is for technical ceramics and one is for traditional ceramics. So traditional ceramics is everything that you associate with pottery, for example, you know, like, like, like terracotta or, uh, you know, even some porcelain is kind of borderline, but, you know, clay-based uh, ceramics or sand even. Sand is a type of ceramic. Even glass is a type of ceramic, actually, uh, you know, silica. And um, on the other side, there are the technical ceramics. And these are the really, really fascinating materials, but they're all fascinating. But so technical ceramics are mostly, especially in 3D printing, we, we mostly refer to technical ceramics as alumina and, uh, and zirconia-based materials. Um, so these are the most, most, most common. Also, technical ceramics in 3D printing include uh, biomedical ceramics and in this case there's also two materials in particular one is tricalcium phosphate uh, which is what bones are made of mostly uh, and the other one is um, hydroxyapatite which is also used for bone grafting and 3d printing bone implants but uh, um, so i think now you know a lot of the, the information sometimes i'm not you know i write about it but then i don't remember exactly but i think uh <laughs> the the, um, the tricalcium phosphate is a little more um, less strong than the hydroxyapatite but it's it's more similar to the bone so it enables you know the bone regrowth so then of course when you're 3d printing you need to decide what material to use according to what you want to do one other family of materials that is extremely fascinating but recently really um, is, 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 is the silicon carbides. Uh, recently, there's a lot of talk about silicon carbides, and there is a specific reason for this, and that's because, let me go back a little bit. <laughs> Until today, the, most of the technologies that are used to 3D print technical ceramics are 
photopolymerization type technologies. So, you know, SLA, DLP, obviously they use particular slurry of materials. I don't know if this is getting a little bit too confusing. And no, you want... it's fine. Well, that's fine. I think it's a different way we would have tackled it, but it's fine. We can, we can, we can do this this way as well. Okay. Um, so, so obviously these these photopolymerization processes they use they they use slurries which are made up of ceramic powder and uh, a, a photopolymer a polymer you know monomer or, or anyways a material to initiate the photopolymerization process so you can shape the ceramic powder and then you and then you debind it and then you sinter it and so this 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 is what is used for zirconia and for uh, for alumina but recently uh, there has been a growth, as we all know, of the binder jetting processes, and and binder jetting can be used to process the uh, silicon carbide materials, which are not very easy to process by photopolymerization. And silicon carbide materials are really, really fascinating because they're super, super strong materials, so hard, so tough, and it's really expensive and really hard to shape them using traditional technologies. I mean, this is true for all advanced ceramics, but it's particularly true for uh, silicon carbides. And with binder jetting, you can do that. You can shape, you can you can print it, and you can give it, you know, those really complex shapes, which are the reason why people then turn to additive manufacturing. So you mentioned two of the main technologies. I mean, uh, yeah. so traditionally, I think, yeah, Lethos, I think was one of the first. Yeah. And we've got Admatech, uh, and we've got others, and they do SLA or DLP processes. As you mentioned, the slurry. Is there a particular advantage to these these kind of light-based or photopolymerization processes? Is there like, or is it just you know these people happen to turn to it, or is there are they particularly good at a particular shape or a particular application, or less steps in order to get the object, or less processing uh, as a result of using the photopolymer? Not 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 really. I mean, it's it's a it's a great question. The, the truth is. You know, those are the only processes right now to uh, <laughs> to, to, to print uh, to print. It, they're not really the only processes. We can we can, we'll talk about everything that you you can do with with other processes as well. But those are really the only processes to do it properly to to 3D print. First of all, um, you can 3D print a lot of different materials because they're a little bit more consolidated. I mean, they've, they've come out first, especially Lithots and uh, 3D Serum. Um, by the way, I just had the opportunity to visit Lithots, and, and these guys are really, in, really material, you know, ceramic geniuses, and they, they really showed me a lot of what they're doing um, on, uh, you know, from an engineering point of view. But the, the point is, with, with these technologies, you have um, you have uh, more material selection now, um, and I think you can ensure. As of right now, you can ensure the highest density with these with mm -hmm. these processes. Uh, with with other processes, it's a little. I mean, everybody says yes. My parts are fully dense, and we know that yeah. is an issue, right? We know that is an issue in metals too. Everybody, everybody's everybody's technologies, the parts are fully dense. But then when when you talk to somebody about somebody else's technology, their parts are like but you know uh, Swiss cheese right <laughs> so, yeah. so but but the, I think from what my understanding is that with photopolymerization the the the, 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 the parts are more dense than than most other processes that the, the, the end the final parts also you have the you know you have the high precision control that you can have with with uh, photopolymerization you know with, with laser or even DLP photopolymerization um, so and of course, you have the complexities. Uh, so you have some limit. In t you, well, you have less limitations in terms of supports because you don't need supports with ceramic slurries, which is quite interesting. 
um, you know, you need supports in polymer uh, photopolymerization, but not with ceramic because the, the material is so dense that it, it self-supports. Um, mm -hmm. And 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 so that's really the main. Re I mean, these are really the most the, the most uh, viable technologies today because they mm -hmm. have they can use so many different materials but they're not yeah. you know, of course the only ones uh, what it was also interesting if you look at like xjet and ge now and hp and all these guys are going to be kind of working in this biojet space which is so yeah. far also a desktop metal and you know x1 did it a long time ago um if we're looking at these kind of companies doing essentially the same process you know they're attracting a lot more investor attention um, yeah. So, so when one thought I was having when I was thinking about this call before, and I was thinking, yeah, maybe you know the photopolymerization technologies could be a better technology, but it seems like investors really love binder jet. Good. I think that's because the, the promise of binder jet is higher productivity, much higher productivity, and um, and that may be true. And mm -hmm. I'm absolutely fascinating and very interested in what's happening with binder jetting, especially because. It, it hasn't really happened yet, but of course, in binder jetting, they're saying, you know, we're going to use all the metals that are used in, in metal injection molding. The same can be true for ceramics. You know, we're going to use all the materials that are used in ceramic injection molding just uh, with a binder jetting process. So, so it, once that starts, it could be very fast. However, that's mm -hmm. the issue with binder jetting is once that starts, it hasn't really started yet. And for, uh, you know, it, it's, it's all you know we, we see it we, we see we know it's gonna happen but it hasn't really hasn't really started also you know binder jetting we, we in at smart tech we, we we kind of collect all these technologies all these new high productivity or you, you know like desktop metal they have the binder jetting system but they also have the, the the extrusion system right but those are both we consider both of those bound metal processes right because one uses powder and then it, it binds it and the other one uses a, a material that is already uh, already contains the binder but but then you can you know you just have to shape it somehow and you know it's it's powder and binder and then and then you debind it and you sinter it right so they're, they're not all that dissimilar uh, this mm -hmm. process the, the interesting thing is that if, if it's done but you could consider the photopolymerization process that bound metal uh, a, a bound mm -hmm. material yeah. technology as well and that's exactly and that's exactly why Admatec, but also Litods already presented some some applications in terms of using photopolymerization for for metal production. And apparently, they can they can have you know these technologies can have some advantages compared to binder jetting. Maybe less productivity, but maybe higher you know precision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really exciting. Interestingly, I think the limitations we see this in metals as well. The limitations are with the sintering step, right? With shrinkage. A different shrinkage of across different wall thickness and and size and geometry. So you know we're really seeing that yes, there's limitations, especially in build volume. Uh, there's limitations on the photopolymerization side and less so, but still there on on um, on the the binder jet side with ceramics. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, and that's that's not exactly being ameliorated a lot. If we look back like 10, 15 years or something, this is not really getting much bigger. These build volumes. Yeah. The volumes, yes, but they, but they, they, they've been recently. I mean, 3D Serum has a 30 centimeter volume, and and yeah. I think Litos has shown some, you know, 30 centimeter height. So, mm -hmm. so yes, but, but a lot of these technologies, a lot of these companies, we, we we know that, right? They had the technology, but they really weren't 
they, they weren't motivated and they weren't pushed to evolve the technology because you know people were using it they, you know the, the industry was prototyping it and then new players came in like like desktop metal like hp and now they're putting a lot of pressure on these companies to to one make their technology more well known <laughs> which is one of the biggest limits i mean people don't even know these technologies exist mostly i mean a lot of people don't know and the other thing is is that of course they're, they're pushed to to evolve their technologies to compete uh, one thing i wanted to say that I, I didn't say before the reason why i think ceramics are so fascinating in, in 3d printing and the reasons why i think um and one of the reasons why i think at the same time it's so difficult for ceramic to be gain adoption in terms of production is that you know 3d printing gained widespread adoption as a prototyping technology mm -hmm. and ceramics is not for prototyping it's production materials they are just production materials it makes very little sense to prototype something using advanced uh, ceramics and uh, or technical ceramics and even even standard ceramics i mean it doesn't make sense if you prototype it you prototype it in plastic um, but ceramics are end use materials they're final i mean these are the best production materials we're not ready for production. We're not yet ready for large batch production. So that's one reason why, you know, ceramics, you know, they didn't have the, you know, a lot of companies didn't familiarize themselves with ceramic 3D printing because they didn't need it for prototyping. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, I, th I think, and then, and then it's also, you're, you're expected to have another TRL. You're expected to have like another maturity when people want to use you. Right. If you're just doing a prototype, people will be like, okay, it's good enough or okay. It kind of melts at right, 40 right. degrees. Who cares? There's a different expectation if you want to make like you know ten thousand parts for Swatch or you know the, yeah then then yeah. of course that's different a different cell. And and another thing that's very interesting I think that 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 um, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, that Johannes at um, at Litod's, uh, said to me which makes a lot of sense you know it's it's like when they say to you you know it's like it's obvious but maybe you didn't think about it before and. Um, that that uh, that ceramics are like like nobody wants to use ceramic. I mean, everybody wants to do things with polymers or metals. They use ceramics when they really have no no alternative because these are the most advanced materials in terms of heat resistance, in terms of uh, in terms of, of of weight by strength. So, but but they're so hard to to shape. They're so hard to work. So you don't want it. Nobody, no engineer wants to use ceramic. They go to ceramics when everything else failed. <laughs> Yeah, uh, exactly. I think that, but that's to me the really exciting application exactly. because the overlap between that and and new geometries could be really very exciting. Uh, one, one funny thing is, I don't know if you ever saw. But we're just chatting here. I hope that you don't mind. But uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if you ever saw, saw the the TV series uh, The Expanse. I'm a big fan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and well, in, they they just make. I also read all the books. I don't remember if this is in the books or in the TV series, but they make a reference to. Of course, things are just printed there. They, they just say they print stuff, they, but it, it doesn't make a big fuss about it. It's just normal, right? And everything, every spaceship is made of two things, ceramics and composites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which means it would be like super brittle, you know? <laughs> you no, just I, hit it the wrong way and then it's like, oh, oops. <laughs> Actually, technical ceramics is not, it's not brittle. It's super, super hard. It's like, you know, silicon carbide is, is near diamond as far as, uh, is, no, it's close to diamond as far as strength. Okay, this is a nice, a nice uh, way to talk a little bit about. Okay, so why do people use ceramics? I, I like your idea, only when they have to, because it's super <laughs> yeah, high, exactly. high, uh, really high temperature resistance, uh, really high abrasion resistance as well, too, right? And and yeah, and, what are, and everything. 
Yeah. Uh, and what are some other reasons? Or now I, I don't know exactly the differences. I, I don't know right off the top of my head why you use zirconia or or, uh, or alumina, uh, but you know they're both very good materials uh, in in all these properties. Zirconia is used in the dental segment, uh, mm -hmm. obviously for the for teeth. Um, and the other the other materials, you know, the the HA, the hydroxyapatite, and TCP are used for for biomedical applications. Uh, you know, bone bone grafting. And then, of course, there is all the other, which we didn't talk about it much, but there is all the other really fascinating materials like, like you know, the silica basement, you know, the sand and uh, the clay and the cement, even cement. I mean, that's a ceramic material. So the sand obviously is used for the for, for, for making the big, you know, big molds. And that's really, I think, picking up a little bit with, with Voxeljet. You know, Voxeljet has ex really deep expertise in, in making the big ceramic molds. And also... Um, ceramics are used for for cores, so mm -hmm. you can make them use them for molds, but also for cores. But that's also a very complex process. But for example, this is something also that 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 Little showed to me that I think is very fascinating because it shows you like how high level the industry industries can get. So one one thing they the the reason one one reason why they would use ceramic to make cores is to make you know turbines that are made with metals that are not at all 3D printable and such as for example single crystal metals so I, until I got there I didn't even know single crystal metals existed <laughs> but single crystal metals had this very very you know single crystal structure that is impossible to you know it's very very hard to to mold into shape and so um, so the only you know especially to make complex geometries you really need to use you know uh, ceramic uh, ceramic cores but but that's you know, between parentheses, but you know, of course, there is there is glass, which is a, a whole other subject because it's mm -hmm. basically impossible to print, <laughs> or makes no sense yeah. to print yet. And then there is, um, you know, there is the cement, which opens up the whole the whole discussion on 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 housing. I think also like uh, one of the things that excites me uh, the most about uh, one of the developments I've seen is, is Nanoway or N A N O E Nanoway. Okay. Where they're looking, at, they're doing kind of like ceramic, or they're doing desktop 3D printers, or making filaments in a process with sintering. Oh yes, yeah, sure, the the yeah. French guys, yes, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly that dude. Uh, and that to me is like really like that could really democratize this. I mean, you, okay, the yeah. binding setup, and the, uh, you don't want to do that at home, right? And you know, the sintering is probably a bit tricky for most people, but the idea of taking that into a desktop type setup, yeah. Uh, and making it much more democratic really could maybe spread this out a lot, I think. Yeah, it, I mean, I thought it was really, I mean, these guys are really experts in nanopart. I mean, they're not a, a startup. They're, they have a big company behind them that's the, and they're very, they're really experts in, in nanoparticles. And uh, and then they had a, a small division that developed this, you know, the, the filaments for the for the desktop 3D printer. And yes, I thought I thought that was very interesting also, you know, the, the whole idea that you can, you know, using CIM type, approaches mm -hmm. you can make make the printing very a lot easier a lot and i mean even form labs tried to do that right because there are or or, or the teton 3d guys i mean they're really experienced in printing uh in printing ceramics with low cost systems right they they, mm -hmm. they printed it with the with the because let me just go back a little bit <laughs> if i can so in the beginning so i said i said it's just in photopolymerization but the truth is that you know, ceramic 3D printing evolved into photopolymerization, but also into binder jetting. And the real, the most experienced company in doing the ceramic binder jetting, or the best system to do it, was the Z Corp systems. 
and uh, you know the the, the legacy ones. Uh, and I don't think 3D systems really use that much. I mean, they did some composites uh, for the SLS, but but not for the. But but, but anyway, so the Tetan 3D guys they developed uh, materials and expertise on on 3D printing with with legacy Z Corp system, which I think is really fascinating. Also, mm-hmm. and, you know the applications that you can do with that. They they also you know they exp- experiment a lot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really exciting. I mean, I think it's also an interesting idea what to do with legacy equipment, and also. It's interesting that when 3D systems moves away from that, moved away from that technology, people still saw uh, a lot of value in there, even though the systems were very, very the color matching and a lot of the stuff on the system was very, very complicated. Uh, from a full color, those are the full color 3D printers that, that worked with, um, well, first off, potato starch initially, and and later on, uh, other powders, and they gave you very fragile but nice looking objects. And 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 over the years, it's insane what people have just like used these things to print all sorts of experimental materials. Um, and the fact that you would then go full-blown ceramics is, is really quite sure. exciting, but not yeah. to 3D. I don't think that. I think they don't seem very interested in that at all. Uh, or the, up till up until now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one one thing that I think uh, just came to mind that we we didn't really mention. I mean, so we mentioned photopolymerization, right? You know, yeah. the big big processes, the extrusion process, the photopolymerization, the binder jet. But we did not mention, you know. Uh, powder bed fusion, you know, SLS or MLS or whatever. And the truth Mm -hmm. is you can't, uh, there is no 3D, there's no commercial 3D printing of, you know, direct powder bed fusion of ceramics, obviously because the material requires so much concentrated heat that it's really hard to control it in order to then, you know, produce a a complex part. I hope that's that's clear enough. There are examples, there are attempts, there are, there have been, you know, there is a company also in France, I think doing, um, mixing the titanium with with ceramics, you know, doing a titanium ceramic composite and printing it in SLM technology. But there is no real SLS. I mean, it's weird because as, as I think technologies do kind of, blend together so you know binder jetting or, or hp's kind of approach which applies heat to a kind of a binder jetting process could eventually become something more similar to a you know to a, a powder bed fusion process i don't know that that and hp has done some experience with ceramics so that could happen but right now there is no sls of there is no you know powder bed fusion of ceramics which is one of the reasons why you know these are the powder bed fusion processes are the ones that are most most looked at for production and and the funny thing is that the most production ready materials cannot be printed by that process <laughs> and another thing what i think is really interesting i think i think uh, we haven't discussed yet is like the this this regular ceramics market which holds like some of my favorite people uh first off you've got the probably one of the most insane companies in 3d printing the like your countrymen the nice people yeah. at wasp Wasp, yes, yes, yes. Those guys are nuts. I mean, in a, in a great way, in an amazing way. Yes, if, if absolutely. If, if there's, you know, they, they have a, as a stated mission as a company, we're going to change the world and we're going to make the world a better place. And and literally the whole and company exactly is kind of an like add-on. That. It's an add-on to that. It's like, like they're like, yeah, we're going to sell you the system so we can like save the world. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, I love these guys to death. I, and the, it's not, it's not even just a, an appearance. They're, they really are like yeah. that. They're all like so focused on like trying to you know make the world a better place. The truth is, yeah. they do have, um, they, they you know they, over the years the technology has really you know it, it was kind of a just a experimental in the beginning, but now they've really consolidated with some serious, you know, some serious uh, you know extru- delta extrusion systems, very very 
you know very high quality but also of course as you said you know they are doing a lot of, they, they were among the first to to have um to have a very high quality pressure you know pneumatic extrusion 3d printing system for for clay like ceramics and they have a very very deep expertise on on clay-like ceramics, and they actually have been doing some experiments on technical ceramics as well, because there's nothing stopping you from using technical ceramics, uh, you know, in in a in a pneumatic extrusion process. I yeah, and one of the very first, I think, to make uh, like functional ceramics in like a, a larger scale is a, was a friend of mine as well, because I'm totally going to mention it's Oliver Olivier van Herpt, uh, right. Uh, who's doing like he's making is also a, a pneumatic auger based ex extrusion process which is a very controlled process which is using uh, to make like 80 90 centimeter by 50 centimeter parts at the moment and mainly that's ceramics like uh, just regular ceramics but also he does porcelain yeah. and uh, he does porcelain and he can apply uh, uh, textures to that and he makes you know things like grass and things like uh, uh, all sorts of terracottas and clays and stuff and uh, i really love what he's doing essentially like essentially by himself he gets help from some people but he's kicking a lot of people's asses as well and he's doing some really amazing work as well and by the way since you mentioned the, you know particular materials there is a there have been you know i, I know little to did it but but also so they they printed they actually did it by photopolymerization they printed with the lunar regolith right but yeah, also yeah, yeah, they yeah. have some experiments doing in doing that you know with by because uh, that's also a ceramic you know the lunar the lunar regolith so and it would use the same processes so all, all these research being done on you know on establishing on, on building on an automatic on robotically building lunar bases hopefully not too far from now is also going to become you know be very very much dependent on these these technological approaches i think i mean at uh, the end of the day the ceramics are what is going to make habitats on foreign planets possible right yeah like, i think yeah. so because you have to grab the soil and then use it <laughs> yeah you can't you can't do you, you're not gonna have polymers or uh, or metals <laughs> exactly <laughs> so you that's take true. whatever rock is available and and print it <laughs> absolutely that's that's uh, that's the way it has to be yep yeah awesome guys i mean i think i, I think uh for me uh, i think this is a really good overview i think we got a really good idea of what what ceramics are and then what's possible I don't know if you want to finish a little bit, like uh, David, about like a I, little bit, like some exciting stuff. Maybe something you, you know. I, I can finish on, on non-exciting stuff, but I think it, it's worth the mention because the, yeah. the, what I do is I, I I do market reports. So maybe I could give you an idea of what I think the market is going to. Oh be. yeah, yeah, yeah please. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's What's your vision of the market in the next few years? Yeah, that's well, a good one, David. Thanks. So, <laughs> I give you, I give you um, a little. Uh, so when I when I did my first report, I really had no idea, how, you know, what what it was gonna be like. And 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 the, you know, people don't really know what the market for ceramics is in general. You know, you can find the market for ceramics is worth a hundred billion, and you can find the market for ceramics is worth five billion. You know, the, <laughs> people don't know because because there are so many materials, you don't know what's included. You know, you know what's not included. So. It, you know, if you don't know how big the market for ceramics is, it's also hard to understand what the market for, for additively manufactured ceramics is going to be. So when I did my first report, I, I looked at it, you know, just to, to try to not go wrong. I did a, 
I did a, a worst case scenario and a best case scenario. Um, in the beginning, I only did the worst case scenario. I think I was I was in a bad mood or something. <laughs> but <laughs> but when, when the boss saw that, he said, look, you know, if this is the scenario, nobody's going to buy the report. Ceramics added to manufacturing is dead. <laughs> Why bother? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's that. So but but anyways, I already did all the calculations. And, and so that was that was one scenario. And that, 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 that kind of in my idea, that was that. that I was gonna, you know, what I said was that the market, and when I say the market, I include all additive manufacturing hardware, software, materials, and um, services. In, at that time, I, uh, and applications actually, and services and applications. So in the, in the worst case scenario, I, I said it was gonna be worth 300 million in 10 years. So that was 2016, so 2026 or 2027. And um, and in the in the best case scenario, which I redid the, all the calculations, it was going to be worth three billion, and you know that's a whole that's a big difference. And and so, how did how did I how did I justify that? And I looked at the dot the data and all the research that I did. And in in my opinion, was that if the market was going to be based, so the worst case scenario was going to be ba was based only on what's currently been done. You know, and and so in a, in a, in a scenario where only the hardware manufacturers would would push their technology, um, that's the most they would be able to achieve. In the best case scenario, there would be big players entering the market, and and uh, adopting the technology and and putting money into it and pushing the technology and and uh, pushing the technology's development, and that was going to result into three billion. And you know, that was in 2017, early 2017, and and then. And the truth is, when I look, you know, when we look at the numbers now, the three billion is way more realistic. So uh, sometimes 3D printing, you know, you're, you're like you try to be, you know, you try to 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 be um, object. You know, you don't want to pump it up, right? We don't want to hype it up too much because there was not like last time. <laughs> and so sometimes we overdo it uh, the wrong way, you know, on the other side, because because really three, three billion. First of all, it's not that huge a market, but but second, you know that means that the market is now worth about 100 to 200 million. And if you look at all the how the, all the applications, everything that's happening, you know that's realistic. So so that's what that's where we stand now. We see a market that's about that's going to be worth about three billion within ten years. It's still that's still rather conservative, I think. I mean, uh... I, it could be, yeah. It could be, yes. You're right. Oh, but I, th I like that. I mean, usually, I mean, usually, I get like a lot of these per day. These I know research <laughs> things, and and uh, so if you would just like plot an average of them, uh, it was <laughs> it would just I be know. all over the place. I just got one today on Aerospace that said, you know, it was it's Aerospace AM is going to be worth twenty billion in five years, right? And okay. honestly, like. I just went to the Paris Air Show. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of production, but not there's not that many parts being produced now. There's yeah. so much testing, so much. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Every company is testing it, but nobody's is really. So to say that yeah. it's worth 20 billion in five years is a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some of these things are really insane. Though. Anyway, but I think I think yeah, yours looks really realistic. I think it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a Good estimate, and I think it's a good overview as well of the types of applications and, and, and players and things. And I think that's that's very important as well. One other thing I want to I, I want to mention that I think is important and is really very true in the ceramic segment in particular is that 
in this three billion, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to go get the data right now. I think it, it gets boring. But in this three billion, materials are like a really small part, like maybe less than ten percent of that. And the real value is in the applications. Uh, and that's because a really tiny amount of advanced ceramic, um, you know, of, of zirconia slurry can make a part that's worth a lot of a money lot for money. aerospace yeah. and um, and and so that, 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 you know, it's kind of disappointing for material manufacturers. But the truth is, they have <laughs> become you know service providers uh, if they are material manufacturers. But the truth, and I was talking also you know with Littles the other day, and they said that even if they raise the price of the material by ten times. People who are really adopting the and and these are expensive. The, you know, I think it's a, almost a you know a thousand for a, a kilogram of a, of slurry material. And uh, you know, even if they raised it by ten times, they wouldn't even feel it. You know, in the yeah. if they're using it for production. So mm -hmm. it's also something interesting to to think about. Definitely, dude. Definitely, very definitely. Well, that's great. Thanks for joining us today and uh, the 3D Pod. I'm Maxwell Bogue, and with me always is Joris Peel. And we're we're excited to have been discussing ceramics today. And we welcome any comments or suggestions that you might have. Please feel free to reach out to us and let us know. And have a great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.